You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 10. You kind of boxed yourself into a one-size-fits-all. That's only going to take you so far. If you have that mindset of being rigid, you're never going to open yourself to other possibilities. So, yeah, I mean, I would think just, you know, remaining flexible and remaining open to to options is great. I think it's challenging because people are so desperate and I, like myself included, you're so desperate for solutions that you will follow things to a fall. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered, it's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Scherr. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. We have an awesome show lined up today, and I'm excited to present our guest. But before we get there, I just want to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health. It's not just about what we eat and how much we move, but the entire picture of health. And that includes simplification, personal development, living a purpose-driven life, as well as making real and honest changes that can be sustained for life. Don't worry, we'll keep the topic of nutrition central, but we'll also realize that health is so much more than just the food we put in our body, but it's every aspect of how we live. And so today I'm excited to talk with Trisha because she really puts this into motion. Trisha Hughes and her husband together have four kids. She lives for travel and adventure and loves to experience new places through her stomach. She is a passionate advocate for veggies and healthy eating, especially when it comes to families and kiddos. She also indulges in her other passions of simplifying life through minimalist fashion, fitness in all forms, and food photography. Most importantly, she is there to encourage, motivate, and support you in becoming your best self. She is personable, vulnerable, wise, and full of inspiration. Today, Trish and I will be talking about all areas of life and how to simplify yours living for health. More specifically, we're going to dive into Trisha's own journey with healthy eating and how she created values that make this a part of who she is. I'll be asking Trisha about her health journey and how she transformed her life, the struggle of severe eczema with her son Arthur, how the GAPS diet completely transformed his health, what work-life balance mean to her, and the mantra she lives by. It's going to be an awesome show. Trisha is so fun-loving, wise, and kind-hearted. She is one that is so easy to connect with, genuine, and has a deep desire to help others. I'm excited to have Trisha on the show, so let's get started. Welcome to the show, Trisha. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, I just want to start at the beginning. Like, how were you raised? How did your health story begin? So I was raised in a small Midwestern town. Um, my family, they were all very hardworking, blue-collar family. My mom did work full-time. And so, you know, I think a lot of that contributed to the, the types of meals that she was providing for us. My mom was notorious for, like, her weekend batch cooking that she would kind of do, where she would just cook a ton of stuff, and we would sort of eat that throughout the week, which, um, you know, I didn't realize at the time, but was actually very clever and was a really great time-saving thing for her to do. But that was also kind of at the time where, you know, it's like 80s, 90s, where the low-fat diet foods were very popular. 
So a lot of that definitely influenced the types of things that I would eat with eating. But I would say, you know, especially being in such a small area, we did a lot of processed foods, a lot of soda, a lot of pizza. Um, I kind of remember, you know, waking up on Saturday mornings and having cold pizza and Dr. Pepper uh, for breakfast. Um, and, and, you know, I think that what I saw through that was, as I was growing up, I saw a lot of people who just always seemed to not feel well. There wasn't like, you know, a, a serious illness that I saw people dealing with. I mean, you know, I did have people in my family who, who had cancer or, you know, more serious issues. But the majority of what I saw was sort of an everyday not feeling well. So, you know, headaches, aches, pains, exhaustion, you know, was a big one. And and I couldn't help but feel like, you know, the things that everyone was eating definitely had an impact on the way everyone was feeling. So once I got into college, you know, I definitely started experimenting more with what I was eating personally. Um, I've always sort of considered myself really enthusiastic towards food and trying different things to figure out what is the best way for me to eat specifically. And, you know, I would say in college, I definitely came from more of a point of view of like, you know, my appearance because I went to school for theater. You know, I was a performer and, and how I looked. Well, you know, also I was a 20 year old girl, right? So right. appearance is very important. And I think that that is how a lot of women actually come to, to really like try out different types because they want to look better. So, you know, I really started experimenting with ways that I could eat to sort of look better. And then, you know, I mean, like I'm 36 and I am still trying to figure out, you know, ways that I feel the best. Obviously, my goals have changed now because I realize that when I'm feeling well, that is sort of a compass to mm -hmm. tell me that, you know, I'm on the right path. And by feeling well, I'm automatically looking well, right? Right. Um, you know, my my appearance is not my end goal, but it's sort of just like a bonus of knowing I'm feeling well. And so, you know, I look well. I hope I look well. <laughs> right. I mean, I love that statement because it's like once you fix the inward, like the inner you, then the outward appearance just is a good byproduct of that, right? Ooh, knowing yeah, yourself. Yeah. 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 So you had Arthur, who is your youngest child. Is that correct? Your son, yeah. Arthur. Mm -hmm. So he started suffering from eczema, which is the horrible skin rash. Did that moment when you realized that what he was consuming was affecting his health, how did you change from that moment? So, I mean, I think that with Arthur specifically, he was my fourth baby that I had had. And I felt like my pregnancy with Arthur was the best out of all of my pregnancies, you know, I ate really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. I was exercising a lot and I felt like I finally had like reached that stride, right? Like it only took me four times. <laughs> so right. my fourth pregnancy, <laughs> you know, I was like, yes, I have this whole thing down. And then, you know, when he sort of came up with his eczema, it was very early. He was five months old. So at that time, he was only having uh, breast milk because he was a breastfed baby. So I didn't honestly realize that it had anything to do with what I was consuming or mm. what he was consuming at all. Um, and it wasn't until he was about a year old that I really realized that there was 
so much more going on than just him having a skin condition. And it actually had to do with everything inside, that it was a much, much bigger issue. It wasn't just skin. Mm -hmm. Right. Our middle daughter was diagnosed with uh, candida very early on in her life and had a lot of health complications. And I, I just remember how difficult and trying that time was. And I feel like there's not a lot of people talking about it. And so it was so encouraging to see you coming out on your blog with, with help, you know, your story about Arthur. What was it really like going through this time? And how did you find the courage to, you know, keep trying and keep looking for the solution to his eczema? I mean, I think in the beginning it was very challenging because we had constantly been told by um, doctors and pediatric gastroenterologists and dermatologists and, you know, all these people who were seeing him that he was totally normal. That was something that I just kind of refused to accept. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, you know, believe that it was normal for a baby to constantly have a runny nose, to have this, like, scaly skin that he would claw at. He also, in combination with this, was having some pretty serious digestive issues as well. Just, you know, generally being a miserable, unhappy baby. And I felt very strongly that it was not his personality, that there was something deeper happening. And, you know, I I am always thankful that he was my fourth child because had he been my first, I don't know if I would have been as determined as I was to right. um, not take what the doctors were telling me as, as you know, the truth. Mm-hmm. And not that it wasn't the truth to them, just I feel like from their point of view, there was nothing that they felt like they could do for us aside from, you know, give us more steroid cream, you know, give him more juice. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I think that from their point of view, they felt like they were doing everything that they could, but I knew that there was something much deeper. And I guess also, I'm um, a very proactive person, Uh and I would rather work through something, even if it's hard, because that action of being active makes me feel like I'm working towards something, even if I'm going in the wrong direction, you know, even if I've completely missed the mark. That ability to try is what really keeps me going so that I feel like I'm not just sitting around waiting for the answer to kind of fall in my lap. I think that's an exhaustive way to go about doing things. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just my personality. And, and, and I'm really glad that I did continue to push for more answers and continue to look outside of what I was being told. And, you know, part of the reason of why I share Arthur's story is because I wish that that had been available for me to find mm-hmm. when he first started going through what he was going through. I would have loved for someone to say to me, you can try a diet. You can try, you know, X, right. Y, and Z. You, you have options. Um, that was really powerful for me, knowing that I could change him and that I could affect his health for the better. Right. It's pretty incredible what the power of our choices have on our bodies. So do you think that your persistence with Arthur kind of stemmed from, you know, how you were raised all along and just understanding, like having this underlying understanding that what you were eating was affecting your own body and just kind of tying that to Arthur and like kind of figuring out along your walk that maybe what Arthur was consuming was also affecting him? I mean, I think that I definitely felt like 
every single step that I had taken up until the point I had him had been preparing me to be open to a solution. Right. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like every single thing that I did or read or tried or talked to somebody about or heard was getting me to a point to where I could sort of accept this alternative solution. But honestly, I feel like a big part of my persistence was sheer desperation because you get to a point when you have a child who is constantly in pain that it doesn't matter what it takes. You are willing to do that. And Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people who, you know, like write to me and they say like, oh, you know, I like gaps seem so hard you know, I, I don't know how you do it. And and I agree. It was very hard, but that hard was easier than what we were dealing with with him at that time. So it was like a trade-off, right? right. You know, like we can continue to sit here and have a baby who's suffering or we can do the other hard thing that may completely change his life. Right. So you mentioned the GAPS diet. Is that what you did with Arthur? And basically, did you put your whole family on it? Like, was this a critical foundational point in your life as well? So when we started GAPS for Arthur, he had actually been completely gluten and dairy free. And what happened when we had kind of changed his diet was that when we took away all gluten and grain, now keep in mind, he was only like about a year old, right? So it wasn't like he was eating rice cereal or I wasn't doing anything like that. He was just really, you know, having fruits and vegetables, but he was probably also having, you know, like just probably like baby snacks. Honestly, I feel like it's a lifetime ago so it's hard for me to remember but I do I do remember specifically saying okay we are taking away all gluten and dairy because I had seen that be successful in my other children who had also had digestive issues Mm. and so when we did that his digestion got much much better and we noticed you know almost immediately hey we've done something right right? He's not having these severe bouts of like constipation. He's not waking in the night in severe pain with like trapped gas. We definitely noticed, noticed the difference. But the, uh, the flip side of that was that his eczema actually started getting worse. And what I learned through the GAPS diet was that his body, because of, because of the state of his gut, essentially a leaky gut, wasn't even able to absorb the good nutrients that we were trying to give him because his gut had not been healed and then we had not worked to seal that. Mm. So even though he was only eating the good foods, right, he, he was avoiding inflammatory things like, you know, dairy and gluten and grains and he wasn't having those, those items, but his body couldn't take in the good things we were giving him. And so... When I found the GAPS diet, um, at the point that he was at, we did start with the intro period of GAPS. And we did not take our entire family through GAPS because it was just too much for us. And I knew that my focus was Arthur. And so I made basically him my sole job. My job was making his soup. That was pretty much all he ate. So I made his soup. I like packaged his soup. I fed him his soup. And then I cleaned up after him when he went through the detox period, which was actually like a pretty intense 
few weeks. But no, I, I could not have taken my entire family through it. Um, it. It would have been too much. So, you know, my goal was just getting Arthur through it, taking care of him. And then my husband sort of took over, you know, like meals for everybody else. Can we back up and can you just explain what the GAPS diet is? Yeah. So the the GAPS diet stands for Gut and Psychology Syndrome Diet, and it was developed by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. Basically, um, it's a diet that is intended for people who have these, you know, severe food sensitivities, or maybe they even have some behavioral issues. And it just, you know, goes back to that, you know, everything begins in the gut, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a way of simplifying your diet and getting out all foods that may be potentially inflammatory, but also getting out any foods that may be challenging for um, a person with a compromised gut or immune system, maybe hard for them to actually digest. So um, in the beginning, you know, you don't even do any starchy vegetables, you know, any celery, anything that's going to be hard for your body to break down. You kind of try to avoid those things. And you use a lot of heavily nourishing foods, like there's a lot of bone broth, um, a lot of um, natural animal fats, and those are then used to sort of heal your leaky gut and then seal it so that you are able to eventually, you know, be able to absorb the nutrients that you need from the food that you are getting. Mm, Right. So it's just like a super healing diet is really what it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, and also too, you know, I would say if you're familiar with like specific carbohydrate diet, there Mm -hmm. are a lot of things that are very similar um, with that. And, and, you know, too, I would also say a big thing for us with Arthur is learning that like, there's no one diet that fits everyone. Mm -hmm. And we found specifically with him that there were certain things that were technically GAPS illegal that he was not supposed to have on the GAPS diet, but we knew he could tolerate. Um, And so we were able to just sort of kind of devise this diet that just, you know, is like a, a reflection of him and his unique body. And so we are able to feel confident and comfortable and we're able to safely feed him the things that we that we need to feed him. So, you know, I would he does not by any means now follow, you know, a GAPS diet now. But this is like uh, this is year three of us working on on healing him. So, you know, he sort of does his own special thing now. Right. Right. Which is, I think it goes back to the beginning and just knowing yourself and what you talked about of just kind of, you know, the trial of error of learning what your body needs and constantly kind of transforming that. And I think that's, you know, so, so unique that you just said that, you know, not one plan works for everyone and just it's hard to open your eyes to that. And it's hard to grasp that realization that it might be a good foundation, but everyone's body works a little bit different. And I, I think it's so awesome to see that, you know, in your life and Arthur's life, like you've, you've understand that and grasp that and worked with that, you know, like to create the best life possible. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that is actually vital to healing mm-hmm. because I think that if you kind of box yourself into a one size fits all, that's only going to take you so far. And there's going to be a point where something doesn't work for you. But if you have that mindset of being rigid, you're never going to open yourself to other possibilities. So, yeah, I mean, I would think just, 
you know, remaining flexible and remaining open to to options is great. I think it's challenging because people are so desperate and I, I like myself included, you're so desperate for solutions that you will follow things to a fault. Right. And I, I think that it's really important to remember to kind of keep yourself open and, and understand that every person is different. There could never be one way for everyone to be healthy. Um, and, you know, that's something that I feel like sometimes, especially like having a website, you know, people think, oh, well, you must feel this way or you must feel that way. And I, and I don't. Like, I, I mean, I know that there's not one way to be healthy. So if there are people who are vegan and that works for them, great. If there are people who only eat bone marrow and bone broth and, you know, like that works for them, great. Because um, mm-hmm. I feel like who knows you better than yourself, right? I mean, right. If you're truly listening to your body and you're listening to the cues that your body's giving you, no one can fault you for what you're doing. I think a, a bigger issue is not being keyed into that intuition. That's a bigger issue, I think. Oh, for sure. Right, right. And you mentioned your website. Trisha is the founder and author over at eatyourbeats.com, which is an amazing site. Trisha, where did your passion come from in starting that website? So when I first started Eat Your Beats, um, I mean, I kind of did it just as a way of like sharing healthy eating real food for real families. You know, I had always had people ask me like, gosh, your kids are great eaters. How do you get them to eat so well? How do you get them to eat vegetables? Something that, you know, people sort of asked my help for. And I thought, this is something I can provide for people. My meals are not fancy. Um, that they get the job done. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I think that that's sort of, you know, that's how that started for me is just my enthusiasm for real food, especially for kids. And so I kind of started um, started my website as a, as a medium for, you know, sharing what we were doing in our house that people found interesting or at least found, I don't know, helpful. Right. You've definitely done an amazing job and sharing and being vulnerable and I think that's why I really wanted to have you on the show is just because you're so real about life and creating realistic recipes that are family friendly. So the big question is how on earth do you get it all done? How do you feed your family well, run a business, take care of your household matters and all the other motherly duties that happen in a day? Well, I think that honestly, I don't get everything done. And actually... I think that I, I think I would feel bad if I thought that there was a person out there who actually thought that I did get everything done because that would be a gross misrepresentation of my reality. Um, I do what I can when I can. And, you know, my, I I also say too that um, having, having several children teaches you how to learn to let go of things. Um, You know, like moms will say to me, like, gosh, I'm so overwhelmed with my two kids. And I say, you need more kids. You will care less about the little things that you care about so much right now. I mean, I remember when I had two kids and I actively still tried to keep my house clean. Like in my ignorance, thinking that that was a reality, that I could have three house <laughs> with these little gremlins running around, you know, like causing chaos. So, I mean, I would say I have very low expectations for, um, for you know, what, I don't know, what I think my reality should be. I don't 
keep a perfectly clean house. Um, you know, there's times that uh, I don't sign homework folders. There's times that I don't do laundry. You know, my kids, luckily my two older kids are very, very helpful. Part of that is out of necessity and part of that is something that I definitely um, instill in them because I don't feel like it's fair for one person to do the work for six people. Mm -hmm. So we definitely have an all hands on deck mentality in our household. My kids have their own responsibilities and, and, you know, I feel like that's important for them, but also important for them to know that part of being a family is helping out the family and it shouldn't all fall on one person. So, yeah, I mean, I basically do what I can when I can. Mm -hmm. And I think that, Starting my website, you know, was an interesting transition because for the first time I had responsibilities outside of just my family and learning to make those things a priority uh, was, was a transition. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's definitely been a, been a, been a working transition. Do you believe there is such thing as balance and work and health and life, or is it just a value-based system? You know, it, that's, that's hard. I would say I don't think that there is a balance. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like I have a lot of buckets and I'm kind of throwing balls into the bucket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some days I'm really, really great at being a mom. And, you know, I have uh, packed the lunch and I, you know, signed the permission slips and I remembered to write down the meeting and, you know, I remembered that this kid has to go to this place. And then some days I'm really, really good at being, you know, a business owner and a photographer and a blogger. Um, But I'm never really good at both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just have to keep sort of filling up each bucket and making sure that, you know, one bucket isn't getting empty, isn't getting too empty. That's, that's the real goal for me. I, I don't feel like I can have a balance. I feel like it's a constant give and take. Maybe that is a balance. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I would say I'm either, you know, really great at one thing or really great at another thing, but never really great at everything all the time. Right. But I don't think we can be. Uh, and I like that you said that because I think so often so many of us, myself included, are looking for that balance. And yet we miss so much of life because we're constantly striving for what we think or what we believe we can achieve in balance. But I don't think any I, I agree. I don't think anyone's ever found it um, because we yeah. can't be everything for everyone all the time, um, even though yeah. our motherly instinct maybe wants us to be. Yeah, and I think that that is very challenging. You know, I can only speak for myself, but I will say for women, I think it's really challenging for women to to want to do everything, to want to be everything. Because one, we are so capable. We possess so many different skills, and we also possess the ability to do so many things, you know, at, at one time, mm-hmm. that I think we sort of hold ourselves to this higher standard of, we can do it better than anybody else, you know, um, right. we should be able to, to do everything. And I think there's something um, really uh, powerful in being able to let things go mm-hmm. and say, you know, I could do everything, but I can't do everything well. So I'm going to take this opportunity to let that go or let that job go to someone else or, you know, or say that that's not a priority for me right now. Um, I think there's something really powerful in being able to let things go. I 
am working on that. <laughs> all right. It's hard for all of us, though, but I think it's a really powerful thing. I had a previous guest, Courtney Carver. She does Project 333, and she said the exact same thing. Like One of the most healing things she did for herself was commit to letting go and commit to letting other people help her because it's a gift someone yeah. else wants to give. And I, I think that's such a profound thing. And I think it's hard, though, to accept help. But yeah, definitely healing. I mean, I get it all the time too, you know, and I, I always say social media is a great way to see the perfect in everyone's life. Uh, it's harder to, you know, you know, to take a picture of my heaping mounds of laundry in my laundry room. And, and I agree. My, I just don't have a value on having a clean car or having my house yeah. perfectly kept because to me, it's just not a priority. Like you said, like, I just can't. I can't do it all. And you could wear yourself down so much by trying to be that. Mm-hmm. So I, I like what you say in all of that. Try not to ever let the buckets that you value get too empty. But yeah, I mean, I think especially like I think especially for me right now, I actually I did listen to that podcast with Courtney and it really actually touched a part of me because you know, we are going through a transition right now where we are moving and it's a lot. And it's a lot for me. It's a lot for my family, you know, just like the sheer, the sheer weight of moving, right? Moving Mm -hmm. four children and two cats and an entire house, right? Like Mm -hmm. moving in general is very like heavy. And then I also still feel, you know, this intense pressure to keep up on social media and continue to write blog posts and continue to, you know, write my email list. And, and then I kind of feel like I teeter in that balance of like, okay, something's going to break, you know, like, what is it going to be? What's going to, what is going to break? And if I could choose, you know, like what, what would break it? You know, I wouldn't want it to be my family, obviously, you know, you want to make sure that those things are intact. And and when you have kids, you're not just, it's not really just about you. You have to manage, especially your mental bandwidth, because you are in charge of all these other little people who are relying on you to keep it together. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no room for breaking. They need you to keep it together. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think part of that and kind of goes along with what we've been talking about involves your passion and your purpose and your values. So where Mm -hmm. do these fit in and how have you figured out your purpose and your passion in life? You know, I when I started my blog, um, I feel like something changed sort of inside of me. And, And I think that it's only something that if you have been a stay at home mom, and that has kind of been your entire world, like it's something that you could understand. But you know, for a very long time, I was just a mother. And I don't say just a mother to sort of demean that, but I mean, that that is what, that is how I identified myself, right? Like I am a mother. That is my sole purpose. That's my mission. That's the reason I wake up. That's, you know, everything that I do. And, you know, I, I have always been a creative person. I went to school for theater, um, as I mentioned, and when I had my children, I sort of um, put that part of me to to rest for a while. And I kind of said, you know, okay, that part of me is not a priority, right? So like raising these little people and um, being a mother, that is priority number one. And when I started my blog, it was the first time in a really, really long time that I felt this other part of me sort of 
kind of wake up and say like, oh, hey, I, I'm still here. You right. know, this like other part of me that had a love for creating, that had a love for um, sharing a part of my life, connecting with people outside of my house. And there was also something really powerful in being valued outside of my tiny world because I feel like any mother will tell you being a mother is such a like hard, hard, thankless job. Your thank yous are, you know, in picked dandelions and hugs and, you know, the kids going to bed when you ask them to go to bed, right? right? <laughs> um, those are hard thoughts you know, moments of appreciation. And when I started my blog, it's for the first time I had something sort of outside of myself where I was able to feel proud of something that I was doing. And, you know, I, I, I hope that this does not come across as like, oh, you know, being a mother is not important. And because it, it definitely is the most important thing that I could ever do. But something changed inside of me when I saw that I was able to, to contribute to the world outside of my of my home. You know, I was able to be a creative person in a different way, and uh, people appreciated that. Um, I think that that feeling of, you know, seeing that I can create something and being proud of what I'm creating and, and also just having that moment of feeling fulfillment in something outside of motherhood is really, really special. And I think you can only understand that feeling, you know, if you, if you've done it or if you're in sort of like the thick of motherhood, right? Like trying to figure out, I need something for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I need something to do that's just for me that makes me feel happy and makes me feel balanced and, and good and makes me still feel like I am a person, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so when I started my blog, it sort of like woke up this part of me that had been sort of sleeping for a really long time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been, uh, a passion of mine, you know, specifically with photography. Um, that's something that I just makes me feel in a way that, you know, nothing else does. Right. Right. And that kind of goes along with the next question that I wanted to ask. And you mentioned it in that last statement. But one thing I love about Trisha, she's never scared to connect. You're always open and willing to share and to listen. What do you feel like connecting with a tribe of like-minded people has done for you, your health, and ultimately allowing you to live this passion? You know, I mean, I think that I am just an emotional person. <laughs> I mean, I, like my husband says, like I have too many emotions, right? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I love connecting with people that I have met online. I love finding value in other people. And I love knowing that people find value in anything that I say or do. And honestly, like I will never lose that like shock of like when somebody says, oh, something you wrote helped me or something you did changed this or, you know, a recipe you made is now our favorite. Like I will never lose that moment of shock of like, what? Right. Me? You know, <laughs> like I did that for you. That's awesome. You know, so I, I think I'll never sort of lose that 
I don't know, gratitude of, of knowing that I am connecting with people in a big way, but also that they're connecting with me in a big way. Because I think sometimes people see, you know, people in social media or, you know, online and they think, oh gosh, they're so big, you know, and everything they do is big. But to me, the people who interact with me and like come to my website and pin my recipes and talk to me on Instagram, those people are big to me mm-hmm. because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. So I love being able to connect with people and I love that we can um, share with each other in a genuine way. And, you know, sometimes I wish I didn't have so many emotions and Mm -hmm. I wish that I didn't sort of live with my heart on my sleeve, but I kind of can't be any other way because it doesn't feel authentic. So I say, you know, for better or for worse, I just am full of emotion. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Hey, it's part of your personality, but I love that answer, you know, just connecting like it's, Yeah, I agree. I think some people look at bloggers and think, you know, we have it all put together and we have our life figured out, but it really is just a means of just working together and feeding off of other people and learning so that we can all grow in this world together and be our best selves, really. So on your blog, you talk about minimalist fashion as well. And I like to touch on this because one, like being in the health world and fitness, I think a lot of people who, and and myself included, Our personality maybe changes a little bit depending on how confident we feel in what we're wearing and in our own skin. And I think this has become a big area in just feeling confident in who you are. And so you talk a lot about minimalist fashion on your blog and honoring yourself by being more proactive in what you wear. Where did this passion start and what have you learned from it? Um, You know, I mean, I think that a lot of it started when I had my first son. I mean, he is 11 now. And after my first pregnancy, I feel like motherhood like rocked my world. It had an impact on me, like nothing I had ever gone through. It basically flipped me upside down, turned me inside out and like set me out. Right. (laughs) Um, so like motherhood entering into motherhood was intense for me. And I definitely had to kind of what I talked about earlier, but, you know, I sort of went through this period of like, okay, well, I'm not Trisha who, you know, likes to go shopping and go to the movies anymore. I am Oliver's mom. I am Oliver's food source. I'm the person who puts Oliver to sleep and wakes him up. And you know what I mean? Right. Like my entire identity was wrapped up into motherhood. And when that happened, you know, I really lost a sense of myself. And I don't say that in a bad way. I just say it in a matter of fact way. I lost a sense of myself because my entire life was wrapped up in being a mother and figuring out what that meant. That was a very weird space for me. I never really, you know, thought about having children. I wasn't the type of person who said, I can't wait to have a huge family. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I like to say that, like, having all my kids was one of the, like the happiest accidents that ever happened. Mm-hmm. I never planned on being a mother, but like when it happened, I can't imagine my life any other way. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's like the, it's like the destiny you were always meant to have that you never knew you were supposed to, supposed to fall into. Right. But a lot of what I went through after I had my son was 
really challenging, I would say, like emotionally and physically. I gained 70 pounds of my first pregnancy. I felt very uncomfortable in my own skin. And it took a lot of looking inward and telling myself, like, you as a person, you are enough. And it doesn't matter what you weigh and it doesn't matter, you know, what clothes that you have, but just you living and breathing and waking up every day and doing the best darn job you can do every single day, that is enough. And it took a long time and I still struggle with self-image. I mean, I think a lot of women do, but I think what happened to me is that I hit this wall where I kind of said to myself, like, it's not like if I have 13 pair of jeans, suddenly I'm going to feel better about myself. I, I need to stop sort of putting the Band-Aid on my emotions by buying another pair of shoes. Um, I need to tell myself that I'm enough and that, you know, filling a hole with extra clothes isn't going to work. So, you know, I kind of had this moment where I, I heard about, you know, the capsule wardrobe and I thought, Yep, that's what I need to do. I definitely work well within a set of rules. And so I like to use those as springboards. And, you know, I, I kind of started doing something like that, you know, just like tearing down my, my closet and, you know, only choosing pieces that I felt really passionate about. And, and I felt like, you know, it did a couple things for me. One, it, it taught me that what I wear is not as important as how I feel when I'm wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, how I feel is really the goal. And so if I have a shirt and every time I put it on, you know, I hate it. (laughs) Is it the shirt or is it me? Right. You know, (laughs) Um, and sometimes it's the shirt and sometimes it's me, but in either case, that shirt needs to go. Right. (laughs) Right. And, And then also the other thing that it did was it helped me really feel more confident in nailing down my own personal style because I wasn't just buying something new for the sake of having something new or for the sake of feeling better, you know, about that particular day. But I was buying something because I loved it and I knew I was going to love it and I knew I was going to love wearing it and because it fit how I saw myself. You know, those two things were really powerful in telling myself you're enough and you know what you like to wear and, and you can look good wearing it because you have confidence. I really like yeah. that statement. I mean, I think it goes across the board and I think it's something that all of us can find benefit and just tapping our finger into and trying it out and seeing the changes that can come from it. So other than your closet, what other areas in life do you simplify and like, what does this look like for you? You know, like we went through and, um, you know, I, I know everybody, well, maybe everybody's familiar with, but, you know, the, the KonMari method, right? Like the, her book, The Magic Art of Tidying Up, we definitely mm-hmm. went through and did something like that. My house, I spearheaded that campaign. My husband was not as enthusiastic yeah. about it as I was. And actually, he was gone when I started doing it. And he came home to um, probably like 20 trash bags of stuff. But <laughs> I would say it was a, such a freeing moment of getting rid of things and knowing that I didn't have any guilt about holding on to things or keeping things because I had, I knew that they had served their purpose for me. So it was okay um, to let things go. And I feel like too, I'm the type of person who I'm very influenced by my environment. So if I wake up to a house that looks like it literally, you know, exploded, Mm -hmm. that sets the tone for my day. 
And I found automatically by one, having less stuff, and by two, having a place for everything and everything in its place, I felt like I could start my day with a home that welcomed me and Mm. said, let's do this, you know? And, And I don't say that in terms of like, is my house always clean and tidy? No. Right. No. I have right. four kids. <laughs> you know, like my house is not always clean and tidy. Are the dishes always in the dishwasher? No, absolutely not. But everything has a place. Everything can get to its place relatively quickly. And I know that I'm not holding on to things for no reason because I don't know what else to do with them. Right. So you just have, you know, you have what you need and that's useful and practical for your life. I think too that's been that's been helpful for us to kind of share with our our kids as well because I think like any kids uh, you know they have a birthday and they get a ton of stuff and then they they're they're already planning the next thing that they want you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, you know we live in a time where you can order something on Amazon and have it you know the next day right, right. so I think that. That's also been really important to us is kind of um, sharing with our kids that, you know, yeah, just because you want something doesn't mean that you need it, you know? Right. Give and take. So what is your mantra that you choose to live by? I think that for me, I, it's hard. I like, it's hard for me to like kind of sum up things, but something that's been coming back to me a lot this year so I set intention words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something that I just kind of started doing. And, and this year I knew it was going to be a big year of transition for us with moving. And so I actually had like so many intention words <laughs> this year. But honestly, the biggest one that keeps coming back to me day after day is just practice gratitude. Because I feel like it's very easy to get yourself bogged down with everything, right? I mean, you know, sometimes just living can be enough for, for some people some days, but I have found that, you know, what keeps coming back to me over and over and over is gratitude, gratitude. Sometimes things maybe aren't going the way you want. And then just remembering that like, gosh, but you know, this situation worked out so well, or, you know, I got this great opportunity. That was something I never expected. Um, I feel like when I'm able to practice gratitude, I'm able to really appreciate the things that I've been given, and then it makes those harder times not seem as hard because I'm remembering all the great things that I have. I think also it kind of flips your attitude from feeling like you don't have enough to feeling like you have exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would say that that is something that keeps coming back to me over and over is like this intense feeling of gratitude. And, you know, again, like, like I mentioned before, I feel like I am so grateful for the people that stick with me on social media and the people who are invested in me and interested in me. And I have such a sense of gratitude for those people. And so, you know, I just keep coming back to that, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of what I do wouldn't even be here if I didn't have that community, if I didn't have those people. So, um, and, you know, also too, I feel like when you have sort of an, um, you know, this like overarching view of gratitude, you're able to give more of yourself um, um, to, to other people because you appreciate what's been given to you. Right. Right. Kind of creates the healthy mindset for the whole entire day and for your relationships. Such a great piece of advice to live by, yet challenging when you're in the midst of trials to really pick out 
what is yeah what is true and so yeah yeah to take this maybe a little bit more personal because i I mean i really want to showcase that health is just more than what we put in our body and you know how much exercise we do although those things are really really important but you know, health is the whole aspect of how you live your life. And marriage is a huge part of that. And I I really look at your marriage and being a military wife, moving, you know, you're going through a move now. Obviously, you've been through what most would consider very trying times in your marriage. How do you stay connected? And how do you keep a healthy relationship through this whole path of life and having four kids and, you know, just trying to live a healthy life? Like, what does that look like for you guys? I mean, I think that I think that I would never want to be the poster girl for like, like an amazing, um, you know, like, (laughs) you know, an amazing like life and marriage and like, look at all that. Look at everything she has. Because I think just like everybody else, gosh, I am just trying really hard. Right. Um, And I think that for me, that looks like, continuing to try every day, continuing mm-hmm. to show up when things are hard, having open communication, having a pe- having, you know, people who, who are okay with communicating. And, you know, I guess also knowing that nothing, nothing that you're going through right now is, is forever. Right. I, I'm very fortunate in that, you know, I approach things with a very like immediate mentality. And I'm lucky that my husband balances that because he's very big picture. Mm. Right. So like if something seems serious and like really bad, my husband is very quick to remind me that I have a very small picture <laughs> because he he is able to step back and see the big picture. So I think Having someone who balances out, you know, the qualities of you that are less than great, um, having a person like that who can be like, well, yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, you know, and I guess also to remembering that at the end of the day, like we, we have each other and that's sometimes all we have, but that's the most important thing that we have. And, you know, I remind my kids of that a lot. Especially because, you know, every time we move, you are a new kid. You have no friends. Your friends are your family. So treat them well because Mm -hmm. they are the only people who are going to be with you through every single move. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, really just turning inward and just reminding ourselves that we're a group. We are a team, you know. Right. Um, And and we have to have that team mindset because Mm -hmm. we, you know, we're, we're all we have. We have mm-hmm. to stick together. So, right, yeah, just being resilient and, and being willing to to let things go, I would say. Right. I, lo- I love that answer because it doesn't just correlate to or correspond to your marriage. It relates to every aspect. I mean, when you said that you just wake up and try every single day. I mean, like, really, that's the mindset that we need in every area of our life is just to keep going and to keep walking and get over, you know, the mindset of it's an all or nothing thing, you know, like overcoming our expectations in some sense and just trying every day. I, I really like that. So to wrap up here, what is one piece of advice on health or better said, one thing you think we should all be doing to live a healthier life? What would that be? Um, I would say, gosh, just, just be happy. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a, small thing, but that is so hard for so many people. And 
You know, like, I look especially, like, gosh, people who, you know, get wrapped up, like, they read something on Facebook, and then they just have a bad day, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, I read something, and now I'm in a bad mood that a stranger said something. I mean, like, who cares? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I definitely have this mentality of, like, gosh, just be happy. And some days I'm not. So, you know, I can't, I could even, you know, say, well, I should take my own advice. Some days I'm not happy. But I'm also able to recognize not everything is a personal attack. And pretty much 98% of the things that I encounter on a daily basis have nothing to do with me. Right. right? So, you know, that mean thing that somebody said on Facebook or, you know, the mean email that I got where somebody said, I'm not very impressed with your recipes. Right. Like, that's fine. That's not about me. Whatever, you know, right. like just be, be happy because happiness and anger are a couple of those things that are things that are very quick to spread and they're, they're much, much farther reaching than just you. So your happy attitude or your angry attitude are going to spread and reach other people. And so I think just, just remembering, just be happy, you know, right. <laughs> like, Right. Just be happy. Be happy. You're living. You're breathing. Right. Just be happy and, and I don't know, be kind to people. When you're happy, you're nicer to people. You smile. You talk to them. You interact with them. Um, you know, I, I had somebody at Starbucks give me a free coffee because she was like, you are just so nice. So here's a free copy. And, you know, all I had done was smile and right. be friendly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, be be happy. Be happy and see how the world responds to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would That's what I would say. And you are such a good picture of that. Honestly, you couldn't have said anything better to sum it up. It's why so many people love you <laughs> and follow you. And just so real. Honestly, you're so contagious to be around. And this has been amazing. So many profound things have been said and I'll make sure and type it all up in the show notes because I know it's a, uh, it can be a lot to digest, but you have been a wealth of knowledge. Can you just tell us where we can find more about you and how we can follow along on your journey and get your amazing recipes? Yeah. Um, you can find me on my blog at eatyourbeats.com. Um, you can definitely find me over on Instagram. That's where I spend quite a bit of my time at go eat your beats. And I'm on Snapchat, where I definitely share more unfiltered things um, <laughs> in my life, like my multiple piles of laundry or my four-year-old who is Star Wars obsessed. Um, and yeah, you can find me anywhere. Sign up for my email list. I send a weekly email. I try to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just find me online, Eat Your Beats, or my social media handles across the board are Go Eat Your Beats. Is that for Snapchat as well as Go Eat Your Beats? Yep. Yeah. Snapchat, Pinterest. I'll have to follow yeah. along on Snapchat. Awesome. I yes. I thank you so much again. I have loved having you on the show. We could have kept talking. I feel like I had, after I wrote all that, I had a hundred more questions I could have asked you. Oh, but... I know. I would have <laughs> answered. Maybe we'll do it two parts. Yes, we'll do another I think one. so, for sure. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I have so appreciated this. Thank you. As Trisha mentioned, you can find more about her at her website, eatyourbeats.com or on Instagram and Snapchat with the username go eat your beats. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Her photography is amazing. If I had to sum up the profound words of wisdom in the show, it would be to practice gratitude and find joy through everything. 
It's easier said than done. And as Trisha said, just be happy. But really, when we get to the heart and the root of living life to the fullest, this can only be done through happiness. Our mood sets the tone for the day and can make it or break it, but it all boils down to choice. What we choose to do is how our life will unfold. So I'm encouraging you to choose happiness this week. And as always, for more information about the show and the resources she mentioned in this podcast, log on to simplerootswellness.com slash 010 for the show notes. And to stay up to date with what is happening over at Simple Roots Wellness and here on Simple Roots Radio, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and sign up for my email list online at simplerootswellness.com. But before we go, I'm excited to share with you a new challenge we have going for this month as we are working to get 150 honest ratings and reviews for the show. I've been beyond blessed at a loss for words, and some days even have a slight mist in my eye reading through the reviews, mostly in awe of what you have done to help bring Simple Roots Radio to the top of iTunes. It's all because of you, and so with that, we are giving away free swag bags full of tons of goodies to some lucky listeners who have left a rating and review. If you haven't done so, there's still time. Just log on to simplerootswellness.com slash review to leave an honest rating and review. Remember, these ratings and reviews are going to help mold and shape the show into what you want to know to help you live your best life. These ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of the show, allowing more people to find the show and help create life-changing habits. So again, once we reach 150, some lucky listeners out there will be receiving an awesome swag bag full of tons of goodies. You'll definitely want to get them on the action, so just make sure you leave a rating and review and you'll be signed up in the giveaway. And as we head on on our week, we have a choice. We can choose happiness. It's one day at a time. Put a smile on your face and pay it forward. We all know this world needs just a little more laughter. Every day is a choice, just like Trisha mentioned. So take and do this week and tune in next week for another life-changing episode on Friending the Scale. Can it be done? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. And in the meantime, have a good one.